0: This podcast is made possible by Mississippi Land Bank. They understand the lay of the land in North Mississippi. Visit them online at mslandbank.com. Back on the show with you, I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Across the great state of Mississippi. Hit them up at favorites.com. Y'all call me on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer. Y'all call me there. Would you hit me up? It's 995-1059. Hope you enjoyed the phone call with Ryan Fowler from The Game. 100.9 Sports Radio, Tuscaloosa. Talked a little bit of football with him. And I agree, you know, you've got decisions coming tomorrow from the ACC, which will kind of determine their path on this thing. SEC decisions going to come forward a little more so on Thursday. They're going to have a big virtual online powwow between decision makers there from uh, the SEC on Thursday. So we should know a little more. And they're going to know a little more, too, as – and they continue to monitor uh, the major League baseball situation with the Marlins and they've had you know players test positive and several others uh, added in the last 24 hours and so I think the Marlins total after their weekend series in Philadelphia is up to was it 17 players now they're gonna see you know what becomes of that see how major League baseball handles that And I will let you hear, as we go forward, we're going to get into the baseball deal, let you hear what Rob Menford, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, said about all of it. Here in hour two of the show, we have uh, the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days coming up. Today's team number 39, we're 39 days away from September the 5th. You heard Ryan say that. It's just odd to be sitting here like if you're, he covers Alabama. 39 days away. From the start of the season, and Alabama does not know if they're playing or who they're playing if they do. <laughs> it's just it's it's uh, mind-boggling to kind of look and see where we are with all this. Unnamed texture on the country pleasing text line. Country pleasing sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the southeast. It's eight eight five ESPN. Text that way eight eight five ESPN. Will the SEC also release information about having fans at games this Thursday? No, I I doubt that very seriously. Now, I guess I could be wrong. Maybe that's on the docket. It just seems to me uh, right now that what they're looking at this week is to decide, okay, are we in or are we out? If we are in, let's work with these You know, the Big 12 and the ACC, let's figure out a schedule. Let's play each other. Let's work this thing out that way. We can let the coaches know, you know, who their first opponent is and how all that's going to work so they can begin to work on it as they normally would and go ahead and just decide, are we practicing? And they would still give themselves some time, a few days at, at minimum, to then figure out the fan part of this. And again, not being an expert, but it seems to me that there's a possibility that different schools in different states may have to treat all that stuff differently. Like, I mean, as it is right now, a a decision maker in Tennessee can look at possibly approaching it differently than you can in mississippi
1: if there are no fans at the games no tailgating what happens to places like oxford oh yeah Starkville, yeah Tus- even tuscaloosa uh, because of all the the restaurants the stores right. the the gear shops oh yeah the hotels i mean and you're talking about decimating local economies mm-hmm. that that depend on that for their survival.
0: Right. If we looked across the SEC, just that league, uh, JB, what are the teams that are in places where football not having football would not decimate The local economy, where it wouldn't have this tremendous— I mean, it's going to have an economic impact either way, but I guess what I'm saying is, like, I look at Nashville.
1: Nashville, Baton Rouge. uh, Maybe— college station to some degree.
0: Yeah, Lexington. Uh, You know, it's the kind of place— I mean, it's a huge deal to Lexington, but not having it is not going to absolutely decimate the local economy of Lexington. Right,
1: right. But you you look at Starkville, Oxford.
0: Starkville, uh, Oxford, Tuscaloosa.
1: I I would even throw uh, Auburn. Oh, absolutely, Auburn.
0: Auburn is absolutely right there in the same boat as Starkville.
1: And I would say Gainesville would probably be on the other end. Yeah. Uh, Athens, mm, yeah, probably a little bit in Athens. Just even, I mean, they're 60 miles northwest of, or excuse me, northeast Mm -hmm. of Atlanta.
0: Fayetteville is the same way.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, It's,
0: It's,
1: I mean, it. I'm sitting here listening to you talk about this, and I'm thinking about a couple people that I know that own merchandise stores in in both Oxford and and Starville, and I just think, I don't know how they can stay in business. Right. (laughs) Or the restaurants on the square in Oxford. It would
0: be really tough, no doubt about it. I'm looking here. I see Mississippi Department of Health tweet goes out today. The Mississippi Department of Health reporting 1,342 more cases of COVID-19 in Mississippi, 42 deaths, 969 current hospitalizations for confirmed COVID-19 cases. Good night. See, so yesterday there were six deaths. Today they're reporting 42. That number really shot up there uh, overnight. So that's kind of where we are. All right. I
1: wonder if some of that stuff comes in from from reports from the weekend. I'm sure it does. Generated.
0: as it flow as it gets in, you know that information. Yeah, I'm well, let's sure. get to
1: something that takes our mind off. Let's
0: do that. I totally agree with that. Let's do team number thirty nine in the countdown of hundred teams in one hundred days. One hundred teams. One hundred days. The countdown is presented by Matt Anderson Properties a member of National Land Realty. Call Matt Anderson at 408-5155. That's 408-5155. Matt Anderson with National Land Realty can help you buy or sell that piece of property with the Land 360 Interactive Drone Touring. You can view the properties without ever setting foot on them. It's really cool, really cool. And if you're selling property, Matt will get you those comprehensive internet traffic reports for your listing. See who's looked at, you know, viewed your listing that you're trying to sell. How many, where they are, all of that. So call Matt Anderson, 601-408-5155, 408-5155. Team number 39 in the countdown from the SCC is uh, C-A-R-O-L-I-N-A. The Gamecocks of South Carolina. Say go Gamecocks. Let's go. Gamecocks. <laughs> yeah, way not. Uh, that's what it's like to be a Gamecocks fan. It's a great place to go watch a football game. It's a heck of a place to go play one. Williams-Brice Stadium. The first uh, college game that I ever got to start in was at Williams-Brice Stadium, South Carolina. They had a huge crowd. Brother, it was loud. It was loud and hot. (laughs) It was all those things. Uh, Let's learn a little bit about South Carolina, shall we? According to Phil Steele, Phil Steele's college football preview magazine, he has South Carolina picked to finish fifth in a seven-team division. Five out of seven. Here's what he said. South Carolina has been hit hard with injuries the last two years. They bring in a new strength coach. They faced the toughest schedule in the country. Last year, was number twelve in the SEC, with in terms of, you know, a, a yards per game according to their opponent, they were just under forty-five yards less than their opponent per ball game last year. That's that's not great. Will Muschamp got them to bowls in each of his first three years, but he slipped to four and eight last year. This year, they dropped to number eighty in the experience chart, so they don't get a ton back, but they still have the number three toughest schedule in the country, according to this particular magazine and its prognosticators. It's all about staying healthy. He thinks if they stay healthy at South Carolina this year, they were 4-8 and last year, they can get back into a bowl game. That's what he thinks. And, you know, um, they've had some attrition there for a little while. They were really solid with – It was a Jake Bennett quarterback, and then he transferred out of there. He's playing somewhere else this year as a grad transfer. So it's Helinski. Yeah, and I guess he was hurt last year. So Helinski played most, if not all, of last year. They played somebody else, too, uh, a little bit. But it was mainly Helinski, who threw for 2,300 yards, 58%, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions. So because of the quarterback situation and injuries, they just did not move the ball very consistently last year at uh, South Carolina. You know, he mentioned they were at, not in a bowl last year at 4-8. and eight. The year before, 2018, they went to a bowl but got beat by Virginia in the Belk Bowl 28 to nothing. I didn't realize that. It's Will Muschamp's fifth year at South Carolina, his ninth overall as a head coach. It's it, Will Muschamp's an interesting story that kind of flies under the radar. Played at Georgia, coached at Florida, and now coaching at South Carolina. In his career as a head coach, you talk about those stops, Florida and South Carolina. He's fifty-four and forty-six at South Carolina coming into this season. He's one game above five hundred at twenty-six and twenty-five, one and two in bowl games. The team four and eight last year. They just won three SEC games last year. I'm going to look at that schedule last year and see what they actually did. But seven starters returning on offense, six starters returning on defense. One of the starters coming back I mentioned is the quarterback. They start over in terms of ball carriers. Brian Edwards, their number one receiver, he's off to the NFL. So there's experience on our offensive line, and they get a quarterback back, but they got to keep him healthy and find some new guys that are going to handle the football, actually physically take the football into the end zone. It's all a matter of, you know, who is that going to be.
1: What do you think about that new offensive coordinator, Bobo?
0: Listen, it's a great hire. I think so, too. Mike knows what he's doing. The thing about, and if you all are unfamiliar, what JB's talking about is Mike Bobo, former Georgia quarterback who was a longtime quarterbacks coach offensive coordinator for Mark Richt at Georgia.
1: I think he was there 14 years if I remember right.
0: Yeah, before I mean he,
1: before he went to Colorado State. Right?
0: You're talking about like Stafford and and all those he coached all those guys. David Green, he he coached all those Georgia quarterbacks in that era. And you're right, then he he got the Colorado State head coaching job the last few years. And you know what? Early on he he had it going but it's an interesting tie, you know. What you bring up, JB, is this interesting experiment that proves coaching is a fraternity, and once you're in, brother, you are in. He followed when he when Mike Bobo left Georgia to go take the head coaching job at Colorado State. Do you
1: know he was who? A head shaker, anyway. The guy, the, the guy that he followed.
0: You know, you know who he followed at Colorado State.
1: I, I do, but his name's slipping from me because he was at uh, Florida for a while. That's
0: right, Jim McElwain.
1: Yeah, McElwain.
0: That's right, Jim McElwain was did great things at Colorado State. The fact is, he was doing some things at Colorado State that nobody had ever done. Um. He let's see if I can remember correctly I'd have to go back and look. But I think it was he won 7 games his first year, 8 games his second year, his third year at Colorado State they won 10 games. It's like the best season they've had there in a long long time before or since. And so he kind of had it going and that propelled him to get the Florida job. And then there goes Bobo in there as the head coach. And at Colorado State with Mike Bobo they just never could. They, they were not bad at all. He did a good job at Colorado State, but they just never could get off of that six or seven wins a year, and that just it was about it. That's all they could do there. About six, seven wins a year was about tops. Every year they were five, six, seven wins, that same deal. And then last year is when Mike Bobo got sick. If you all go back and read, I don't remember the exact prognosis. I just know there was some type of ailment that really – Took him out. He missed a bunch of practice. They thought at one point it was going to be life-threatening. He did some coaching from the broadcast. I'm sorry, from the coach's booth. And uh, they went four and eight, so they got rid of him. And now he's landed on his feet as the OC at South Carolina. And I think he will do well there. Well, he
1: brought with him his uh, quarterback from Colorado State who had an ACL injury in midseason and is a graduate transfer now and supposedly given Helensky a, a, a run for his money. Okay. Colin Hill.
0: Colin Hill. Yeah, absolutely. He was going to be their starter. Yep. He can throw the you-know-what out of it. How does it make you feel, too, if you're Helensky? <laughs> you're there. The coach comes in. you got a new offensive coordinator, quarterback's coach, and he's like, oh, by the way, I'm bringing my quarterback with me from the other place.
1: It means you better get busy working.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it means we better get better on offense quick.
1: Well, that's the thing. This is the first time in, that, that I can remember in all of uh... –
0: must champs coaching stops
1: where he's the head guy that he really has a good offensive mind That mm-hmm. maybe he'll allow to to do that for him
0: yeah you know? let's see he started out at South Carolina with Kurt Roper
1: mm. there's, there's a household name for uh,
0: Kurt Roper was uh, he was on the staff for David Cutcliffe at Ole Miss for a while and I think actually coached with Cutcliffe at Duke and then made the jump to Florida with Jeff Collins, and then I think Roper then you know, went to South Carolina, but it didn't go too well early on, apparently. Or didn't go well enough. And the coaches move on. I don't know where Kurt is now. Uh, but he's somewhere. That's a little bit of a look at South Carolina. They are interesting to me. They really are. Great atmospheres at their stadium. Of all the road games that I've been to recently, and we don't go there very much for Mississippi State. It's like once every You know, two decades. It's ridiculous with the stupid scheduling model we have in the SEC. But very few places, if any, do a better job of coordinating the fans and the atmosphere and the video board and the music for just the overall atmosphere in their stadium than they do at South Carolina. They do a fantastic job up there. All right, Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, it's 995-1059, 995-1059. Give me a call. Hanging on, doing the chomp-chomp as he rolls in here on the phone line, is the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Gator Greg. What's up, Greg? What's going
2: on, Mr. White? It's so great to hear you, hear your voice. Uh, great to hear J.B. Uh, filling in there. Uh, let's talk first a little bit, and we'll get to college in a little bit. But Gamma yeah, Holmes now has got a piece of the uh, Royals. I mean, it's great to be a Kansas City Chief now. And then since I've talked to you, Guy Chris Jones, Four years, 85, uh, you know, and then uh, it's just great. I know for you to get that, you and a lot of the Kansas City fans get that championship. But this college football, I see now the NCAA has made it available for some teams to play in week zero. If we're playing football in week zero, uh, I told you maybe about a month ago, and I, you, I listened to you every day, you and I thought there was going to be a delay. What do you think about this week zero Mm -hmm. Uh, could somebody like a Mississippi state that lost the game with the, with with the SWAC opponent, could they look to put somebody in week zero? What do you think?
0: Well, and see, the thing about that is they have New Mexico scheduled the first week, Greg. And you know, last Mm -hmm. week, last week, the New Mexico governor came out and said that she is recommending to New Mexico and New Mexico state that they don't play fall sports. Okay. Now, it's a recommendation. She can't, I guess, tell them what to do, but that all of a sudden became a thing that was up in the air, and it made me think, you know, it may not be a week zero deal. The heck, it may be a week one deal for Mississippi State before this is over. You know, right? But uh, but uh, I- uh, you know,
2: like even thinking down the road, that would give you what a couple of weeks uh, off in front of the Ole Miss game, which what kind of Ole Miss had that a kind of maybe maybe a year ago or a year. I think they had their second buy before the, the, egg bowl, uh, that didn't help them out. But, uh, this, I guess, Mr. Why, what do you think, uh, are we going to see some of these college kids? We've seen today some of these pro players, the Patriots that opted out because of health reasons with COVID. I think you're going to see some of the college guys do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if some of them are going to be looking at the draft. Also, uh, this being an issue, uh, just kind of see what the NCAA does about it, but you're doing a great job. We always love listening to you, Mr. Wyatt. Tell my good friend, the great Joe Wyatt, I said hello. We love Mr. Joe Wyatt, and we love the homecoming queen. We love Mary Lady. You have a great
0: show. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate the call. Thank you, and thanks for the kind words. You know, I I just (laughs) – the the NCAA puts the blanket thing out there today and says, yeah, okay, we're approving you to – you want to play football this fall, you go ahead starting in week zero, August the 29th, you know, a full week ahead of, of September the 5th. And, and to me, it's all well and good. And Oklahoma, a while back, said they were moving their season or season opener up a week so they could play Missouri State week zero. Made me think that that's why they did it, is, hey, well, look, if we're going to give one team a waiver to play on that weekend, we have to give the rest of them. It also makes you wonder, JB, look, I, I could be on the moon even thinking this. But is it possible that you have lots of decision-makers out there starting to go, look, 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 listen, you're better off playing the season early than you are playing it late? I Get think it. so.
1: I think so, if, if for no other reason, because one of the things they told us early on about this COVID is that it's going to ramp back up again once things start getting cooler and colder. That's, that's right. that's you know? well, just like the flu. I mean, when... That's why it made no sense when they started talking about spring football.
0: makes no sense at all. Nope, nope. I mean, look, March of 2018, I caught the flu. Mm. I got it, I'm pretty sure, picked it up, but I was going to three baseball games at Mississippi State every weekend. I caught it there. It almost killed me. (laughs) And this Mm. past year, January or February, whenever it was. I came home from a baseball game, and two days later, I'm pretty sure I had the coronavirus.
1: I've got some friends that thought the same thing last year when the flu hit real bad, yeah. All
0: right. Y'all stick around. Well, look... Things didn't go too well for the uh, things didn't go too well for the good guys last night on the baseball diamond. They didn't go too well. Who was it that said something about the Marlins ought to be? Oh, it was Gator Nation who texted us earlier on the Country Please and Text Line. Country Please and sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. He texted and said the Marlins should be banned for 2020. Go Cubs! Cubs fan, he wanted to know why do you always – well, JB wanted to know why he always types in there TB12 GOAT. Who or what is that? Yeah, and Gator Nation was like, just ask Matt. Yeah, he – this guy is the captain of the Tom Brady fan club. Who's Tom Brady? Yeah, it's a good guy. I had no idea. You know, former Michigan quarterback?
1: He's, oh, done, he's done the okay.
0: six-round pick. Yeah, six-round pick. Ran a five-flat. Five-flat and a 40.
1: Yeah, they timed my 40 with a sundial.
0: Hey, quarterbacks, let me put that in perspective for you, okay? What, Peyton Manning was a nine, Tom Brady, five-flat. In college football, quarterbacks have to outrun people. In pro football, they don't. Now, I know Lamar Jackson, MVP, I get it, special, different. Michael Vick. You know, you've had two of them. You've had three of them. Randall Cunningham, Mike Vick, and now Lamar Jackson. How many years in between those guys? You had a decade in between or more in between. That's the
1: evolution of that position, though, in in that dual threat, because no, nobody really wanted Vick to be the – nobody believed he could do it. They, really. That's
0: right. They didn't believe you it. Know. But he guy could throw.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Lightning arm. Left-handed cannon. No doubt. He could let it rip. Sp-
1: speaking of running, I-, I got a question for you. I saw you play a few times when you were a, a Bulldog signal caller. Um, what was your 40 time?
0: The fastest I ever ran the 40 was 4.9. Okay, let me tell you this. And, and I really shouldn't I say I fastest. you're faster than that. Like, really... Well, at
1: least you were faster <laughs> then because I saw some of those dudes chasing you, and you were running way faster than
0: them. <laughs> well, you know, it's all relative. Maybe they were letting up because they knew they could catch me. You know, you just never know. <laughs> but the 40-time stuff, it, I think for certain positions it is a great indication, but for others it's not. You know, it's like an offensive lineman. Why are we even timing him in a 40? Okay, because they never run 40 yards. The only way an offensive lineman ever has to sprint 40 yards is if he's going to celebrate. Um, But, you know, for a defensive back, for a receiver, for a running back, I want to see. Yeah, you know, what they run the 44 quarterback, I don't really care. You get to the NFL, who cares? Brady ran a five flat, so what? <laughs> it's just different, but I appreciate that, yeah. I was not fast at all.
1: Oh, I was just trying to give Gator Nation some, uh, as Leave It to the Beaver used to say, I was just trying to give him the business.
0: Yeah, giving him the business. <laughs> Well, let's see. He's a big Cubs fan, and so uh, Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo, hit his how many? What does he hit? Like three home runs now already for the Cubs. Yeah, he hit a home run to put them up seven zip in their win last night. Rizzo
2: out into deep right, and it is gone—a home run, his third of the year, and it's seven to nothing.
0: Yep. Let me pull up the scores. Could I please be allowed to be? Yes, I want to pull up the scores. The Cubs beat somebody. Whoever it was they were playing though started to come back. Yeah, somebody was making a major comeback. Y'all know who it was? It was who were who were the Cubs playing? Was it Milwaukee? They they finished their series with oh, it was Cincinnati. Yeah, that's who it was. It's Cincinnati. Yeah, and they beat them eight to seven. <laughs> Hung on for dear life, didn't you, Go Cubbies? By the way, you want to have some fun today? Look it up on YouTube. Back when the Cubs win the World Series against the Indians, look up Mike Leach's rant about the Cubs and all these bandwagon Cub fans. It's fantastic. I need to go find that. I'll go find it. Former Mississippi State Bulldogs went deep multiple times last night in ball games. First up, Mitch Moreland, the Red Sox. His Red Sox lost, but Mitch Moreland, the kid from Amory, the former Bulldog, hit two home runs in the ball game last night.
2: Moreland rips this one. Forget about it. Mitch Moreland right field and gone. Red Sox on the board. 7-1.
0: They were down 7-zip to the Mets. There you go, Lynn. Wherever you're listening, our resident Mets fan, yeah, the Mets win 7-4 last night with the Red Sox. They were up 7-zip. A solo home run from Moreland made it 7-1. He had another solo home run later on, but the Mets win the game 7-4. Hunter Renfro starting in right field for the Tampa Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays. It's hard to say Tampa Bay Rays without putting devil in there. Hunter Renfro, the former number one pick out of Mississippi State. A Crystal Springs, Mississippi native. Number one pick out of state by the Padres. Moved around. Now he's in Tampa and uh, got the start last night in right field against the Braves. Tampa beat Atlanta 14-5 thanks to two bombs two bombs from Hunter Renfro
3: swing and a drive that had the sound to it it's crushed toward left and Ender can't find it he can't get it either it's a 3 run
0: homer for Hunter Renfro and the Rays have taken a 4-1 lead that's up 4-1 later in the fifth
2: shot into deep left center well tagged and this one will go Home run
0: for Renfro. He <laughs> lines this one out of here. It's 10-1. to 1. <laughs> What is that horn? That gummit. Can we move it away from the microphone, Tampa? Of course, yeah, they're man. indoors, everything down there. The sound just rattles around from corner to corner.
1: I watched a little bit of that one last night, Matt, and uh, the Braves didn't look too good with the bats in their hands. Look, that
0: 19 cat. 19 Ks. Look. 19 strikeouts. That cat on the mound for, was and dealing, wasn't he? for Tampa. <laughs> what he wears? i number what numbers he wear. He's a big, long-haired, right-handed dude, and he was throwing fastballs at 99 miles an hour. Glasno, he went four innings and struck out nine. He was unhittable. He was fantastic. And by the way, Braves fans, what is up with Mike Fultonevich? He got after the ball he was the brave starter last night in the ball game and you know like this tremendous upside on the mound for the Braves and two years ago he was phenomenal for them on a playoff team last year he was really good at times but couldn't stay healthy and last night they ran him out there to start on the mound and he's lost like 40 pounds and he was a thin guy to begin with I'm t- uh, JB I'm telling you Fulton looks sick. Like he I'd be looked, sick
1: if I have to pronounce that name a whole bunch. You
0: do yeah. it well. Yeah, He looked ailing, like something's wrong with him. People are going to look at him and wonder if he's on drugs or something. I mean, like, seriously. he He's like skin and bones. And he looked rough, and he didn't look the same. And he had lost 10 to 15 miles per hour on everything he threw to the plate. Mm. And immediately after his start, he goes three and a third and gave up six earned runs in three and a third innings. And immediately after the game, they designate him for assignment. He's done. And, And I don't know what's going on with him or what would have led him physically to look like he looks, but something is not right with him. Something's not right. By the way, if you're Hunter Renfro, you play in one game for the Rays, you hit two bombs and help him put up 14 runs, you get interviewed after the game. Yeah, no, it was really cool. Obviously, uh, just getting the first hit out of the way was pretty big for me. Uh, but, um, you know, obviously getting a good barrel on the ball and, and uh, finding a gap and having to actually go out, especially the second one, uh, was pretty good because I uh, was seeing the ball well, but I uh, got into a battle situation the second home run and uh, was able to just shorten up and, and make good contact. And I was pretty proud of that about Hunter Renfro from Crystal Springs, Mississippi. Uh, Rob Manfred is the Commissioner of Baseball. He said in an interview yesterday that, after all those Miami Marlins tested positive, that they never considered shutting down the league.
2: Today, was there discussion, questions about the possibility of this season being, if not canceled, put on hiatus?
3: no there really wasn't Um, we we talked about the situation I think most of the owners realize that we built protocols anticipating that we would have positive tests at some point during the season that the protocols were built in order to allow us to continue to play through those positives and I think there was support for the notion that um, we believe um, that the protocols are adequate to keep our players safe
0: okay leaning on the protocols you put in place to begin with you know if you're a a fan of any sport i think it's worth paying attention to Uh, because how they are dealing with it in major league baseball is something that all these other leagues and yes college football and the sec they're all gonna lean on that he was asked if it was a nightmare scenario It's been said that one team with an outbreak such as this is baseball's worst nightmare. Is that the way you look at this situation?
3: I I don't put this in the nightmare category. I mean, obviously, we don't want any player to get exposed. Um, it's, it's, it's not a positive thing, but I don't see it as a nightmare. We built the protocols to allow us to continue to play. That's why we have the expanded rosters. That's why we have the pool of uh, additional players. And um, we think we can keep people safe and continue
0: to play. There it is. They think they can keep them safe, continue to play. Therefore, they're going to play today and tonight and tomorrow And going forward. I haven't looked ahead at the schedule. We can go through that later on. Most improved college football teams this fall. Who will they be? I'll tell you what one guy thinks coming up next. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Stay with me.
2: Right here on the Matt Wyatt Show.
0: Here we are back on the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team, staying connected to you around the clock because of CSpire, the number one network in Mississippi. CSpire, customer inspired. Check them out, CSpire.com. I'm a CSpire customer. Have been for years and years. Love them. Great Mississippi company. Cannot wait. Until they, they're they doing the work right now, putting in that fiber internet to the home, fiber to the home, here in my neighborhood in Tupelo. I cannot wait to get it. I'll be just uploading stuff just for the heck of it, because I want to see how fast it'll do it. <laughs> Kevin, on my Twitter feed, at Radio Wyatt, Kevin says faulty was dfa before the game was over, designated for assignment before the game was over. J.B. sent me a link. He found this here at uh, MLBTradeRumors.com. Good work here, J.B. Uh, they designated righty Mike fulton Evans for assignment. They're bringing up uh, Sabotka, Chad Sabatka to replace him. hope I'm saying that correctly. I, I've seen him. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, though. They said it was an early-season stunner. He's 28 years old, an all-star two years ago, and look, he was every bit an all-star. At times, just nasty, unhittable, super-duper velocity. He's 96, 97, whenever he wanted to be. He's throwing a an unhittable slider with it. And then last year, struggled, hurt, struggled. They sent him down to the minors. They bring him up in late June. He got shelled in the postseason by the Cardinals and, and all this. And they owe him a bunch of money. But in this article here, at MLB Trade Runner, listen, to, you talk about the understatement of the of the day. Fulton certainly didn't look himself in his season debut. No kidding. You know, they went on to say, well, he, he didn't look himself because he coughed up six earned runs and three home runs, lasted just three and a third innings and a blowout loss of the race. That's not why he didn't look like himself. He didn't look like himself, first of all, because he's not the same person. He's 40-something pounds lighter for a guy who did not have 40 pounds to lose. He was in great shape ahead of time. I mean, he probably didn't weigh 200 pounds. What does he weigh now? I mean, literally, I'm looking at him on the mound last night, and his uniform is sagging on him. I honestly can't believe they ran him out there on the mound unless it was some type of you know, contractual obligation thing that they're, some benchmark they're trying to hit. You can't explain to me why they even put him on the mound last night. You can look at him and tell he wasn't ready to go. I mean, as soon as I see him, I'm like, what's wrong with him? I Honestly, I, as soon as I laid eyes on him and he threw like one or two pitches, I texted a buddy of mine who's a huge Braves fan. We live here in the same town. And it's, like, it's funny. We don't ever see each other or talk to each other except when the Braves are playing. <laughs> we text each other. But I texted him and I said, what's wrong with him? You know, he's he's missing 10 miles an hour on everything. He's text back. He's lost 45 pounds. He looked terrible. He looked like something is bad wrong. Brian Snitker, Braves manager, says his stuff hasn't been there. Averaged 95 miles an hour in his fastball since he debuted with the Astros in 2014. Last night he couldn't hit 90. I'm not kidding you. He couldn't hit 90. See, two years ago as an all-star, he's throwing 96 fastball. He's throwing 89-90 sliders that nobody could hit. Last night he couldn't throw a fastball at 90 miles an hour. He's throwing breaking stuff at 81. It was terrible. I could not believe – I'm not amazed that he only lasted, you know, three innings. I'm amazed he lasted three innings. I would have watched two pitches and gone, wait, whoa, whoa. They should have seen him in the bullpen and known he couldn't go out there and get anybody out. Something's up. It's a weird deal. And so now they're saying he's going to wind up on another team, and and that's great. But maybe he does. Maybe somebody pays him all kinds of money, he winds up on a new team, and he does well in a different situation. But he looks physically nowhere near someone who's ready to go be a, you know, A pro athlete. He didn't like a pro athlete. Something's up with him. Hey, I got a college football nugget I want to pass along to you. College football. College football. Nugget here from Phil Steele, College Football Preview Magazine. I just happened to be flipping through the pages. And I saw this. The 2020 Surprise Football Teams. Look, I'm going to read this. We're going to come back and then discuss it in hour number three of the show today here in the uh, Farm Bureau studio. What I'm going to do is lay this on you so that you can simmer on it And then you and I can talk about it in hour three. I just want you to know, though. Two things. Back-to-back pages. Page 37 and then page 38 on the Phil Steele College Football magazine. 37. The list of surprise teams in college football for 2020. Number one on the list, Texas A&M. His number one surprise team, Texas A&M. Listen to the first sentence the Aggies could follow a very similar path to the title as LSU did last year. (laughs) Hang on to that. Hang on to... What was that line in that movie? Hang on to your butts! (laughs) Because that's coming in Hour 3. And then if you turn the page on page 38 of the Phil Steele College Football Preview Magazine, I love this thing, man. I love it. Page 38. 2020's most improved teams, number 12 on a list of 14 teams, Ole Miss. Number one is Miami, the U, Miami, Florida. Northwestern two, Colorado State three, NC State, who's on Mississippi State's schedule at number four, but Ole Miss on the list at number 12 of the most improved teams in the country. All right, we'll come back and discuss that in hour number three. Right now, over here on the uh, country pleasing text line, country pleasing sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the southeast. Walk up in there and say "country pleasing," please. You'll be asking the right question. Patrick says, "What are you? Oh, I pass Tropicana Field twice a day. So he lives in the Tampa area. He says he calls it the Trop. He says I pass the Trop twice a day." It looks better from the outside. <laughs> so we're bashing it two days in a row. <laughs> Man, it's awful, and it smelled bad. Why you know, in the
1: world would you play indoors if you live in Florida? In
0: Tampa, in right. Florida. I mean, like exactly. the the University of Florida, the Gators. They were the last school to get an indoor practice facility for their football team. Do you know why? Because they didn't need it.
1: That's exactly right.
0: And and here's Tampa playing in an indoor baseball arena. Yeah, but hey, whatever. They're a really good team, and because of Hunter Renfro, I enjoy watching them. Uh, Billy is asking why they can't bring up AAA guys. Reports: Marlins and Phillies are on pause while Major League Baseball forced to shuffle schedules amid COVID nineteen outbreak for Miami players. And they're talking about what is it they call them? Some some team that's like on hold, like a spring training extra team that they're going to bring some guys in. And Billy's asking why they can't bring up AAA guys, but have the AAA guys been doing anything organized? Minor League Baseball was completely shut down. Shut down.
1: So what I imagine they do, I think they expanded their rosters, you know, like they do in September. They have the September call-ups. Yeah. So they expanded their rosters, and and on those rosters, they have some of the guys that probably would be AA, AAA, but they're not active.
0: Right, not active. That's it. I mean, it's not like they've been out here practicing. Right, right. You know, just doing stuff on their own in the cage, trying to stay ready, I guess. Uh, unnamed Texture said, something is for sure off with Fulton Evich. He hasn't been himself for a while. It, it looks bad. I would have – if I were his teammate or his friend, I would have concern for him beyond baseball is what I'm saying from the looks of things. Bulldog Blitz says, Rizzo for the Cubs looks 20 to 30 pounds lighter too. He's had, a, he's had and beaten cancer before. Got my attention. He's a great player and a great person also, and he's tearing that cover off the ball. Does he lead the majors with three home runs already? I know Marcelo Zuna for uh, Atlanta, I think, has – well, yeah, he's got three home runs. Man, I'm so glad glad the Braves picked that guy up.
1: I think Stanton has – I know Uh, he has two, possibly three. I have to look that up.
0: Hey, and I think Moreland – I think Mitch Moreland has three because he hit two yesterday. seems like he hit one on opening day. I'd have to go back and look, though. I, I could be I could be wrong. I, if I'm talking on the air, I'm supposed to know those things before I say it. I don't. I don't. Denzel says, Renfro will be doing damage with the long stick for a long time in the playoffs with the Rays. Hashtag facts. Yes, that's a very, very good team. Tampa is very good. You see that dude pitching last night? I, I mean, I hadn't watched him. I hadn't paid attention. And, of course, he's not their ace. The guy who threw... Two nights ago is Tampa's ace. All
1: right, here we go. Nelson Cruz from Minnesota, three home runs. The rest of them with uh, three is Rizzo and Colin Moran from Pittsburgh. Okay. Then and you got Votto and Moreland with two apiece. Okay, all right, so two apiece. Okay, so he's right there.
0: Thank you. I'm gonna give you the nickname stats. You keep it up. I appreciate it. How many more nicknames? Nickname. <laughs> this is the last. You need another nickname like you need a hole in the head. Unnamed Texture said, a and schedule is garbage. If the Aggies don't do it this year, they will never win the SEC West. They draw Vandy and South Carolina from the East. Phil Steele loves them. How about that? We'll talk about it in Hour 3 coming up. Stick around.